Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Money and Stuff. I'm your host, Sam Rodriguez, certified financial planner, co-founder of Foundation Wealth Partners. With me, as always, Lewis, you want to take a stab at how I kind of short but crooked road I got to get to Lewis for you? Mr. Yeah, Shaw. I'm dying to hear it. Take a shot. Let's 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 hear your guess. Can you solve this riddle? <laughs> Lewis. I haven't the foggiest idea. Lewis and Clark, is there something there? Let's start with your name, Connor Shepard. CS. All right. <laughs> okay. Famous author, CS Lewis. Oh, wow. Wow. Connor okay. Shepard Lewis. Shortened to Lewis. I should have just I should have just called you Lou and went from Connor Shepard to CS to CS Lewis to Lewis to Lou. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't already reaching. No. By any no, means. Not at all. It was too easy to get to where I where I was already. So yeah. if I had another six hours or so, I probably would have been at Lou. Yeah, that went over my head like a fly ball. <laughs> That's right. It's all right, Lou. All right. Let's talk taxes. Let's talk taxes in retirement. Specifically, tax diversification in retirement because tax we're not diversification. CPAs. Yeah, tax diversification and tax planning in retirement. So last episode, we talked about the importance of tax planning in retirement and why it was important to have a tax diversified strategy going into retirement. So today, what I think is important for us to talk about is how to create or set up a tax diversified strategy. So we'll talk about what an actual tax diversified strategy is, meaning what what is tax diversification or, or what are the classifications of taxes while you're in retirement. And then we'll talk about the different accounts you can use for the different tax diversified areas and how you can use them. And then next episode, I think it'd be awesome if we could go through some scenarios and, and talk about some real world sort of examples of how tax diversification works and why you would rather have a tax diversified strategy or a tax diversified retirement than a tax free retirement. And I know that sounds crazy, but we'll definitely go through it. Stay tuned um, for that. Stay tuned for that. And hopefully, you know, listen, listen to this episode too. It'll be good. <laughs> You know, next episode will be really good, but this episode will be how to set it all up. So that way you can have it. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the three ways that you're allowed to create income from a tax standpoint in retirement. And when I say three ways, I'm going to say the three main ways that most people are going to have available to them when they retire. So the first is going to be money that is taxed, money that's taxed not much differently than how your income currently is taxed. So this will be money that is going to go according to the tax brackets at the time. The second is going to be money that is tax free. So this is going to be money that's not counted towards your taxes, income that you would receive that does not show up on your tax return and that you're not taxed on. And then the third bucket is going to be money that is where you're only taxed on the gains that you make. So any money that you put in, you will not be taxed on but any growth that that money has will be taxed. So those are the three sort of buckets, if you will, where, where you can pull some income from. But in order to pull income from those sources, you're going to have to have money already in those places. So let's talk about the, the ways that you can get money into each one of those. I think today, today you're just gonna be an active listener. 
I'm totally fine with that. I, I kind of figured, but like, that's completely fine, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm learning. <laughs> well, don't be, don't be afraid to stop me and ask questions along the way, because I know that I can, I can start talking in a way that I'm not always aware that I might not be making sense to everyone. <laughs> so if, if, if there's clarification or if you have an idea, man, stop me and, and, and I'll talk okay. about it. Sound good. All right. Cool. So the first, the the first bucket, that that bucket that's going to be fully taxable, <clears throat> meaning that anything that you pull out of it is is going to be seen as taxable income. And like I said, this goes according to the tax bracket. So whatever money you pull out gets counted as income, gets added up. You fall into the tax brackets, and you're taxed very similarly to how you're taxed on the income that you're earning currently. So what are these types of accounts? These are the types of accounts that most of you have through your employers. Four hundred one k's are like this. So the way that these accounts work is any money that you put in now, that money is not counted as taxable income in the tax year that you put the money in. So for example, a 401k, 403b, 457, those are all employer-sponsored plans that you're allowed to put money in and it actually kind of acts as a deduction of your income. So if you, I'm gonna mm -hmm. use round numbers to make the math easy, but let's say you make $100,000 and you put $20,000 into a 401k, a 403b or a 457, that $20,000 from a federal income tax standpoint is not going to show up. So from a federal income tax standpoint, instead of it looking like you make $100,000, it's going to look like you make $80,000. And that $80,000, mm -hmm. the tax brackets will be applied to it to determine what your tax rate is. Right now, when you pull money from these accounts in retirement, depending on how much money you pull from these accounts, that sentence makes sense. <laughs> depending on how yeah. much money you pull from these accounts, that will determine, you know, what tax bracket you fall into at that time. So, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not just, you know, that's not just the gains. That's the principal that you put in. That's whatever gains you have on the account because none of that money has been taxed before all of it will be considered or is likely to be considered taxable income, right? So mm -hmm. I've already mentioned three accounts, the, the three main employer sponsored accounts. So if you work for a private company or a, you know, a non-governmental company is what I'll say is, is going to be a 401k, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you work for say a school system, the state, some sort of governmental organization, then instead of a 401k, you're going to have a 403b. And if you work for a governmental organization or maybe even a nonprofit, you might also have a 457 available to you. So these they're they're all three very much the same. Those those numbers attached to them are just the different sections of the tax code where you can find where these were established. So a 401k plan was was established in section 401 subsection K. Same thing for the 403B. Section 403 subsection B. Right? So finance people are extremely creative with names. <laughs> so that's how they, that's how they got their names, but all, all of them basically do the same thing. They're just the types of plans that those organizations are, are able to make available to their employees. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty much what I was going to say. It sounds like it for the vast majority of people, that taxable bucket is going to be your employee benefit plan that you have with your company for obviously not for everybody, but for the bulk of people. Yeah. And I'd say that, that those types of plans are where the majority of retirement income outside of social security, right? That is where the majority of retirement income is in those types of plans, because those are the typically the easiest ways to save, 
right? Mm -hmm. that, that money comes out of our paycheck before it ever hits our bank account. So it makes it much easier for, for us to save because our employer does it for us. They automatically mm -hmm. deduct that amount to go towards, you know, one of the employer sponsored plans for us, kind of out of sight, out of mind. We're all humans as humans. It's easier if someone takes something from us before we ever see it. That's we're yeah. much more likely to, to do what we should do if, if it's taken first versus us being able to touch it and then making the decision to put it somewhere. So that's yeah. where the vast majority of money is. The other types of accounts that act in a similar manner would be a traditional IRA. If you are not contributing to a 401k or 403b or 457, you may be able to contribute to what's called a traditional IRA. IRA stands for individual retirement account. Again, financial people are extremely creative in how we name things. <laughs> so a traditional IRA also allows you to put money into the account, have it not count for your taxable income for the year, but all the money that you pull out is going to be taxable. You know, you, I'm going to say the other thing you could use is an, what's called an HSA, a health savings account. These Killing names, it with the names. Right? The names. We need some marketing. All right. So health say we, we need some of those insurance guys to come in here and name these things. What are they? They have all kinds of crazy names for these insurance products. All right. So HSAs, you know, they're, they're actually a little bit of both. Any money that you put into an HSA is not counted as income for the year, but any money that you pull out of an HSA, as long as it's spent on qualified medical expenses, it's also tax free, right? So the best of both worlds. And you mm -hmm. may say, well, I don't have a lot of medical expenses right now, so an HSA really wouldn't benefit me. The fantastic thing about an HSA is you can put money into the HSA, and if you don't use it now, you can use it later in life and still get the same benefits. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a hidden retirement account because, well, I mean, let's face it, when you're older, you're much more likely to have health concerns. And so if you're much more likely to have health concerns, you're much more likely to have health care expenses. And so contributing to an HSA one helps you with your taxes today and then two can create tax-free income that helps you pay for for some you know healthcare expenses so an hsa is, mm -hmm. is a is a good way to go as well y you know i'm gonna lump social security into this you know i know we've had episodes about social security recently that talked about the taxation of social security social security is one of those weird ones where it's possible it's going to be taxable it's possible it's only going to be partially taxable it's also possible that it may not be taxable at all, but I'm going to lump it into here because it's possible that it's going to be taxable. So yeah. we're looking at traditional IRAs, your 401k, 403b, 457, all of those are going to be taxable when they come out. So th those accounts, they're pre-tax money. You contribute the money before taxes are taken out of your paycheck. That lowers your taxable income. And, and additionally, any of the money that you put into these accounts, the earnings grow on what we call a tax divert, tax deferred basis, meaning that you're not mm -hmm. going to pay any taxes on that money until you're actually withdrawing it in, in retirement. So, I mean, overall, they can be a great way to save because you're not getting taxed on that money. It actually can allow you to save more right? because you're saving on taxes. So let's imagine that you're in a 22 percent tax bracket and you said, well, I'm going to save a thousand dollars. Well, if you save a thousand dollars on a pre-tax basis, that also saves you. $220 in taxes, which that savings you can then also save as well, right? So yeah. saving money on a pre-tax basis is a way to help you save even more than you would otherwise. Definitely. All right. Yeah. So second bucket is going to be what is called your after-tax bucket that comes out completely tax-free. So the main one everybody knows is a Roth IRA. 
It's a Roth. What's that? It's it's a Roth IRA. Yeah. Do you want to know how they came up with that name? Glenn Roth. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The, I don't know the guy's first name, but but it is guy, named after him. Yeah, that's right. The guy who proposed it, his last name was Roth. <laughs> so here we have nice. this other account. Yeah, named after this gentleman. You think he gets uh, royalties on any Roth account opened up? (laughs) Yeah, he gets half. He gets half of anything that's put into it. You know what? Obviously, we were joking. I don't know (laughs) what compliance to say when they hear that. When they hear that exchange, we were joking. He doesn't get anything. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Roth IRA, right? Also, there are what are called municipal bonds. And it's not it's not the growth of municipal bonds that that are tax free, but the interest that municipal bonds generate is generally tax free. And then I'm going to talk about the HSA again. You know, I just mentioned it in the taxable bucket. I mentioned it in the taxable bucket because it is a pre-tax account. But from a retirement income standpoint, it can be a tax free way to pull out income Mm -hmm. to help pay for health care expenses. I'm going to add another one in there that this is a, a pretty recent, pretty recent something. I don't know. Development, event, yeah. change. Yeah, there you go, development. Good job, Luke. All right, so a 529 plan, which typically or always has been reserved for paying for education expenses. The way a 529 plan has worked is you get no benefit from a tax standpoint for pulling, putting money in there typically, right? Mm-hmm. However, any money that you pulled out for qualified education expenses came out completely tax-free. So both what you put in and all of the earnings were coming out Mm tax-free. Recently, something called the Secure Act 2.0 passed. And what the Secure Act 2.0 said that, well, the Secure Act 2.0 had a provision in there talking specifically about 529 plans. And a lot of people, weren't using 529 plans because they were worried. What if my kid doesn't use all of this money, right? I'm going to have this leftover money that if I pull it out for purposes besides education, Mm -hmm. I'm not only going to be taxed, I'm also going to be penalized on the growth. So there's a provision now that any unused funds can be transferred to a Roth IRA. Now there are certain provisions. There's a max amount that you can transfer from a 529 plan to a Roth IRA. There is only a certain amount you can do per year. The 529 plan itself has to have been opened for at least 15 years. The money that you are transferring has to have been in the account at least five years. You have to have earned income in the year that you're making the transfer. So it's typically not something you'd be able to do in retirement, maybe leading up to retirement. Either way, it does offer planning opportunities to create a tax-free source of income if you are unable hmm. to take advantage of things like a Roth IRA, right? Now, with the Roth IRA, what I should say is there's something else from a Roth IRA standpoint that has been labeled the backdoor Roth IRA because Roth IRAs have an income limit. If you make more than a certain amount, you are not allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA. However, you may be able to contribute to an IRA and then immediately convert that money into a Roth IRA to get around to the back door that into the Roth IRA. 
Now, there are some dangers in doing this if you already have traditional IRAs set up where it can actually turn into a taxable event. So this is something that you want to talk with your advisor about to make sure that it makes sense for you. But that is the possibility. So the great thing about this bucket of money, you know, whether it's the Roth, HSA, 529 plan, municipal bond interest is it's all completely tax free. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mention one other place that you may hear quite a bit about in terms of creating tax-free income, and that is using a life insurance policy. But I'm going to say this, it is not the life insurance policy that creates tax-free income. And as a matter of fact, it's actually not income at all. You are borrowing money from the life insurance policy. Mm. Anytime you borrow money, it is a tax-free event. Somebody gives you money to purchase your car. You didn't pay taxes on the money they gave you to purchase your car. You pay taxes on the car purchase, but not for borrowing the money, right? Somebody loans you money to buy a house. Somebody loans you money for anything. It's always tax-free. So life insurance is not income. You are borrowing money from that policy in order to use that money to spend on things. You can do that in from more than just your life insurance. You can do that from against any asset that you own, right? So borrowing money can create, in effect, some tax-free income. That's as much as I'm going to say about that right now. All right, so the third bucket is where you're taxed on your gains. So this is what we call a non-qualified account. So overall, non-qualified accounts, they're a good option for investing money. They're extremely flexible. There's no income limitations. There's no minimum amounts. There's no maximum amounts. There's no time frame you have to keep the money in. This money can be used for anything you want it to be used for completely flexible, but how you're taxed on it, that's different. So there's two things you have to think about. You have to think about what are called short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. So what is a capital gain? A capital gain is any realized appreciation. What is realized appreciation? Realized means that you actually sold whatever the investment is. So for example, Let's say you put $10,000 into an investment and now it's worth 15. Currently, it is an unrealized gain. As soon as you sell it, it is a realized gain. So that $5,000 is an unrealized gain until the moment you sell it. As soon as you sell it, that $5,000 of gain is considered realized gain. Now, the next thing you have to think about is how long you held that investment. How long you held that investment determines whether it's considered a short-term capital gain or a long-term capital gain. Anything you held less than 12 months is considered a short-term capital gain. Any short-term capital gains are gonna be taxed according to the federal income tax brackets. However, if you hold these investments longer than a year, they are subject to the long-term capital gains tax bracket, and that is much more favorable. So long-term capital gains, the way they're taxed is you can really from if you're let's say you're married filing jointly, you can have taxable income up to eighty three thousand three hundred and fifty dollars and your capital gain rate can be zero, meaning that wow. in effect, you can turn a non-qualified taxable gain account into a tax free account for that tax year. Right now, if if you are let's say you cross into the typical 22% tax bracket, you know, you, you make over that 83, 350, 
then your capital gains rate is 15%. And remember, it's only 15% of the gain that you made, not on the entire amount. It goes up to 20. If your taxable income is above $517,200, you can be taxed at the 20% rate. But the majority of people are going to fall somewhere in that 15, maybe even 0% rate. So I want, I want you to remember tax diversification. If you have some of this money that is fully taxable, you have some money that's tax-free and isn't counted as income, and then you have capital gains. If all of that combined, you can keep under that 83,350 mark, then mm -hmm. you can make that capital gain account a tax-free account in effect. And that doesn't mean that you're only living on $83,000. Remember, you may be taking some tax-free income from other sources that add on yeah. top of that 83. They're just not seen from a tax standpoint. And then you also have whatever the principal was that you drew out from the account, from the, from the non-qualified account that isn't counted towards income either. So you can actually be pulling out more than $100,000 a year from your accounts and still not be taxed on your capital gains. Mm -hmm. Another thing, I don't mean to harp on life insurance, but one of the big things that we see from life insurance is, hey, you can borrow against it to create this tax-free income. You can borrow against non-qualified accounts as well. So it's not just life insurance that you can do that with. I don't mean to harp on life insurance. I just don't like them being sold as the tax-free solution for everything. Hmm. Tax diversification is much more important than tax-free. And in our hmm. next episode, I'm going to tell you why you probably would prefer to have a tax-diversified retirement than a tax-free retirement. I think I pretty much hit yeah. everything, right? We, we talked about the three buckets, right? Money that goes in pre-tax that comes out fully taxable. We talked about creating accounts or, or accounts you can use that will create tax-free income. And then we talked about a non-qualified account, the benefits of it, the flexibility of it, the no limitations of it, and, and how you're only taxed on gains and how it's possible that you can actually make a non-qualified where you're taxed on your capital gains. You can turn it into a tax-free account. So that tax diversification, if you can create tax diversification, you really can give yourself a lot of control over your taxes in retirement. And that's why you want tax diversification is because you want control of how you're viewed by the IRS. If you can control how you're viewed by the IRS in terms of how you're presented from an income standpoint, then you can control your taxes. You can control how much you pay for Medicare. You can control how much of your Social Security is taxed. So it's very important to create tax it's very important to create tax diversification. And like I said, I truly believe that it's more important to have a tax diversified retirement strategy than it is to have a tax free retirement. Yeah, I, I think next week I, I'm excited for next week because I think, you know, today was kind of giving some color to tax diversification as a strategy and really the ins and outs of possibilities in those different buckets next week really, I think seeing examples and seeing like how in theory you'd be able to, I don't want to say manipulate income, but how you would be able to control, you yeah. know, how, yeah. What's how a better you word? Yeah, I guess control is better, right? Yeah. Manipulates the word that comes to mind for me as well, but <sighs> manipulate sounds, Nefarious. sounds like you're up to no good. Nefarious yeah. was the word that was coming to mind for me as well. So, but it's not that it's just control. And, and it's, it's the same as we always talk about with everything else. It's all about putting you in a position of choice. When you hit retirement, you're no longer going to work. 
And, and one of the things that going to work kind of gives you is, is this peace of mind, knowing that whatever else is happening, as long as you can show up to work, you have income coming in. But when that is gone, you want to put yourself in a position of choice because a lot of things are going to change. Your personal life may change. Your expenses may change. The world is going to change. The market is going to change. Even tax law may change. And so what you want to be able to do is adapt to whatever it is that's happening. And diversification is what allows you to adapt. And I know some Amen. of these things that people are, are talking to you about, they talk about, oh, this is written into law. These other things could change. These are all written into law. Laws yeah. can change. Yeah. All that has to happen <laughs> is, is they, they decide they want to change it and they'll change it. So diversification yeah. is imperative. So that way, no matter what happens, you can maneuver and adapt and keep control yeah. over how you're viewed from, from a standpoint of the IRS. Yeah. Laws are just made up. Money's just a construct. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. <laughs> what else can we say? <laughs> we could just be in the matrix. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, none of it. No, I'm excited for next week. I think, I think giving some real world scenarios to the diversification strategy will really show what it, the long-term benefit of it yeah, and the, the, the how it puts you in that position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm excited too. I, you know, hey. I, I get amped up when I talk about, when I talk about how things really should be versus some of these things that are being sold as the way things should be. You know, mm -hmm. I, I see, I see ads running. I see people talking about, about certain things and it makes me crazy. And I'll say about those people, I still feel like it's not their fault. I think they just don't know any better. And I can tell you that early in my career, I may have felt the same, but you know me, right? Like I, I can't know things surface level. I have to dig into the details and know absolutely everything about it. Run my own analysis, do comparative, right? Not the comparative that the companies are telling me, but my own comparatives of what the real details are. And when I do that, and when I did that, in realizing what the other options are. I'm not saying that some of these things that people are selling nowadays won't work. I just know that other things will work better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, I right. think that's a good that's point. Enough. It's <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Before I go too much into that. Yeah. Next week, next week, Very why you would rather have tax diversification in retirement than a tax-free retirement. I look forward to talking about it. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, if, if you're still with us and you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe, you know, where, wherever you're listening to us, or if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, like hit that subscribe. So that way you get updated when we, when we put new episodes out, if you have questions, keep sending them to us. C Shepard, S H E P A R D at foundationwealthpartners.com. C oh, as in Connor. Thanks man. <laughs> yeah. S as in Shepard. And then the rest of Shepard at foundationwealthpartners.com. Send us questions. You know, it's always good to have ideas of what to talk about and, and, and any questions that we can answer for you, we'd be more than happy to talk. Obviously, we're we're willing to talk about anything. Chatty Cathy's, the both of us. <laughs> All right. All right, Lou. Good to talk to you. Uh, Next time. Bye, guys.